first of all, you're talking about it, how do you handle like sitting down with somebody and then working out differences. We, we've decided now in the United States that we don't do that anymore. We go straight to the law court and we start suing people. So we don't handle anything, even in small amounts, between one another, like talking things out anymore. We've decided that we're not going to deal with that anymore. We decided that there is no middle ground anymore, that like it's, it's me versus you, my side versus your side. And we, we love to use this terms like coexist and compromise, but I don't see anybody out there actually doing it. Hey, gun boy, you got you a blog? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Morgan Freelance Podcast. It's the summertime. It's mid-July thereabouts. I'm gearing up for a vacation. Got to get away from all this madness. Unless you're living under a rock, you've seen on mainstream media, social media, wherever you get your news, that they're killing Negroes like hotcakes. To paraphrase the great Dave Chappelle. Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, a host of others. The Black Lives Matter movement. The All Lives Matter retort is been the headline for the past several days. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a tough it's a tough time. It's a tough topic. It's a difficult situation. And me personally, how I like to kind of deal with, unpack, and process the emotions, the facts, the historical implications is to talk about them with people that may feel the same way as I do, and again, with people who may disagree with me, but definitely with people with different points of view. So that's exactly what I did. I had a nice long conversation with my good buddy, Nathan Martell, who's been a guest on the podcast before. Uh, check him out. Nathan Martell is stupid. He's launching his own show where you can hear his opinions, political views, rants, etc. as much as you like. Uh, I was actually a guest on his show, and we did a simulcast. So you can hear this podcast on the Morgan Freeland Show as well as Nathan Martell is stupid. As always, you can follow him on Twitter uh, with the hashtag Nathan Martell is stupid. So let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, as you guys know, me and, uh, me and Doug have actually done a podcast in the past together, which is great. And uh, I, this is really fun for me today because we are actually in totally different locations today. We're trying something completely new. So if it sounds a little different than normal, you'll figure out why in a little bit. How's everything going on the home front there, Doug? Uh, it's, it's very homey. Um, I think it means that all the activities are, are domestic in nature, and that uh, it smells like a baby. Yeah, so just in case you don't know, my good buddy Doug just recently had a boy, and it's totally cute. And he kind of seems like he's giving me a weird answer, but I told him that the best thing to do is have a ton of kids, because basically the best... Uh, retirement plan you can get out there so I, I personally am going to probably have like 18 kids for two different reasons now, do you know what those reasons are? Uh, one would have to be uh, tax benefits uh, well obviously that's actually that's three you're correct <laughs> we're actually going to throw a third one in there I didn't even think about that one <laughs> so, so basically here's the thing is first big hockey fan I want to have two completely different hockey teams so they can play each other so you need 18 kids for that. That's number one. Is that kind of a weird thing? That's kind of weird, but most people do volleyball, so I'm not mad at hockey. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. And then obviously for... Um, I need to have all 18 kids roughly around this so that like when they all officially turn like adults, I can basically just retire and start collecting money from them. And it wouldn't be much and per then, kid either if you've got 18... 
I mean, yeah. if you have a meager, modest lifestyle, hundred bucks a kid a month, and you can pay your bills. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I won't get, I won't get greedy. I'll just plow through a couple of hard years, and then I'm just gonna sit back in like my forties and like just sit on a like an island somewhere by myself, just leeching off my kids. I, that's the American way. I mean, I I'm not mad at that plan at all. Oh man. So, anyways, I've got my life pretty mapped out. So, uh. Besides the jokes, you know, it's, uh, man, it's been a hot, like, 48 hours, hasn't it? Hot would be a good way to describe it. I, I was talking to my um, my YouTube uh, subscribers, and I told them, it's like a pool. Normally, social media is a pool, a nice, warm, you know, room temperature pool that you can get in and float around. But it seems like a jacuzzi where the thermostat is broken. It's boiling hot. can't even put a toe in. You want to know how bad it is out there, Doug, right now? How it's bad? so bad that I haven't even thrown an opinion out there. Wow. That's, That's saying a lot. Yeah, it is so hot and divided that I honestly have just not wanted to get involved. How weird is that? The longer the post, the more uncomfortable I am just reading it. Like if I see continue and there's three paragraphs, I, I can't even stomach reading the, most of them. Yeah, that's that's saying a lot, and I give props and shout outs to the people who are posting their their food porn as usual and posting pictures of themselves on vacation in the midst of all this turmoil. I feel like they're the real rebels at this point on Facebook. They're the underrated heroes, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah, and you know, um, man, I don't, I just don't even know how this like this is so twisted in every fashion I've seen, like, I've never seen one specific, this, what's going on right now, literally, everybody is at fault. No matter what political spectrum you're at, or where you lean, somewhere, your people are at fault in this whole scenario. So it's just created this big cluster of everybody pointing fingers, like, nonstop. And I've never seen anything like it. Um... You know, we started out. We started out with the the original two sh- the two shooters by cops, and I'm sure you've been following that whole thing before the Dallas shooting started. Yeah, right? I mean, I just on Facebook in a couple minutes of news coverage, but I haven't really dived into the particulars. Uh, the most recent thing that I saw was the guy was falsely identified as a suspect in the Dallas shooting. Yeah, you know, you know, the the first two shootings. There's one out there. You know, there's one guy that got shot that nobody's really getting too up in arms about because he had a big rap sheet and everything like that. But then the other guy, um, man, it was, it's, uh, I'm a big supporter of the boys in blue, obviously, you know, ex military, the whole gig. Um, that one's pretty, uh, that was pretty bad. So Alton Sterling was the guy in the parking garage and then Philando was the guy in the car. And I, I think you mean the guy in the parking garage, right? Yeah, so, like, there's some out there that just, like, um, the, the, because they got the, the video, and it's pretty, I mean, in my opinion, it's pretty blatant. Um, it seems like there was, in my opinion, there was some uh, mishandling by the, uh, the police officer in that one scenario. Um, but at the same time, I wish we were at a, I wish we were at a point in history where we could, now take each individual scenario and you know put them on trial like how we're supposed to do it but i i feel like we've just completely bypassed that system in today's world we just we're not concerned about getting all the facts we're just concerned about instantaneously turning something into uh a media circus basically like right off the bat 
Um, what's your what, what's your feeling you're getting? Well, at this? I appreciate that you said that there was blatant mishandling. You're you're admitting that there was fault on the part of the police in this incident, and honestly, most people can't even do that. They've got to qualify it in some regard. They've got to make excuses for it in some regard. And I understand that systems are in place for a reason. Whether whether that reason is good or bad is not the point of this statement. But I feel that the, the difference in these few... Since Mike Brown on, all the shootings that have been in the public eye since the Black Lives Matter movement took shape. The difference is the coverage. We're seeing these things happen, whether it's a police body cam, a dash cam, a cell phone. This has been happening from day one, but now there's a light shown on it. And I think whether there's misconduct or not varies from situation to situation, like you're saying, but the incidences of violence and killing has not changed. The numbers are the same. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's not like this, none of this stuff we're seeing is new. Right. <laughs> none of, it's just back in the day, I mean, here's the reality is, I, I mean, even as a huge supporter of the Boy in Blue, look, you know, everybody, every organization has its corrupt people. That's just the way the world works because some of us just suck, you know? Um, you got this weird thing going on. First of all, I don't, I don't think people understand that the police department is not like the military, okay? So... It's not one of those things that just I've, I've seen people say like why aren't good cops standing up for like these bad cops and everything? I was like, well, first of all, you know, you can't expect a police department in California to know what the heck is going on in a in a police precinct down in Texas. They're completely unrelated. You understand what I'm saying? Sure, sure. But that thing people people mean in general. Yeah, you, you, there's no way that they're gonna know. Like I, uh, it's it's almost the same with me. Like when, when I was in the Navy, I was in the medical field asking me to stand up against bad people that are in electrical engineering. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about them. I don't now, know what they do. But but honestly, people only expect the, the eyewitnesses, your partner, your your superior, the people that are there. No one's expecting people randomly to come forward, only if you have knowledge. Well, this, well the one person I was talking to, that's exactly what they were expecting to happen. And that's why I explained to them that they, you're not going to get random people out of nowhere coming up to stand up for these things because they have no involvement in anything. That's all I was saying. That makes sense. I, I, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, the, but, you know, and then here's your, here's your other dark reality. The, your local police departments, your pool, these are your crews. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, these are your brothers. <laughs> you know, as much as we... We, 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 we pretend where each of us are above this. None of us are above this. You see the exact same thing in everything you do. You turn a blind eye to your friends doing bad stuff all the time. That's how we are as humans instinctually. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it, it doesn't – now, there, there might be an ethical code that we've created as a standard, but all it is is a mind code. It doesn't technically mean anything. And – you say they should be ratting on people. Yeah, but that's that's not really how humans work. We don't we don't work that way because we have to deal with these people day in and day out. And a lot of times people don't want to. These people don't want to be the pariahs. You know what I'm saying? I understand so, that to a point, but at some point there's got to be a good bystander in the bunch. Like the the whole system can't be there to protect the guilty actions. Like I understand not ratting on your friends and not telling on but when there's when there's a life at stake something's got to rise up in you that says I've got to say something I can't live with this and I, I refuse to believe that every person just ignores that no I, I agree I agree 100% all I'm talking about is how humans actually work in real life I get and I stand by what you said 100% but how humans work and how the police departments function there's a there's a disconnect there because a human has empathy. A human can relate to a fellow human being. When a, when a police officer puts on a badge and a gun, you can see it in their face. They've become the Terminator. They've become something other than human with an agenda that we don't stop until we win or till he's dead. And there's no, there's no compromising that. That's not human. And, and I agree with that. But that's also, that's also, you know, as much as we love to downplay the connection between the 
police force and the military, there's a really fine line, man. And the reality is, when you are in a when you're when you're in a job of defense in general, there's no way, especially when you're feeling threatened, there's no way to. And I've been in that scenario before, and you know, you should say they need to act completely different. But when you put people in a scenario where their lives are at risk, every single time people will ultimately do whatever it takes to defend themselves and not worry about the other person first. That's how we are humans. And until you can figure out how to change that, what's going to happen is you're just going to in it, of course. You're just going to have more and more and more of this. Like, there's nothing, because there's there's not really, I've never heard anything out there. I, I, I see everybody out there putting in their two cents about what the problem is, but I have not honestly seen one thing out there, even as a, like a basic skepticism type person, anything out there that looks like a logical solution to any of this. I just don't. I don't see, I see, I see, uh, and I'm not even going to bag him, Barack Obama came out, and when the snipers came out, the first thing what he he started talking about. He started talking about the high power assault rifle. Didn't talk about the shooter. That was his defense. And I'm not going to say whether it's right or wrong. He on a, he first off went to a solution based on politics. That was the first thing he went to on the scenario. And I personally don't believe that's a solution. Maybe some people do. And then I've seen other things like um, I had somebody converse with me and says we need to we need to start. And I'm not trying to make fun of people here. They, we need to we need to work on becoming empathetic and loving our neighbors. So I was like, well, thank you for this 5,000-year-old proverb that has been around since the beginning of time. I was like, I understand that. The problem is not a single person out there even can determine what the definition of loving another person is. So I was like, I haven't seen any anything out there that resembles even the slightest solution that's going to fix relations between the citizens and the cops. What's your what's your take? Sure. Well, I, I think the answer you said it earlier in, in a in a way that human nature you can't really override human nature. So the fact that people want to protect themselves first and then protect themselves second and then protect a stranger third, that hierarchy is ingrained in us, and I sort of agree with that. Okay, so. When you say, when Barack says that the high-powered rifles, so this is not a gun issue. I, I will say that straightforward. The empathy thing, not every human is wired to be empathetic. It requires a certain um, set of experiences and, and a perspective in order to become empathetic. Uh, I don't think that can be a flat-out answer either. But learning the humanity of the people that you're interacting with, I feel could be a step in the right direction. What do I mean by that? If I encounter a regular civilian that has a gun, okay, and we have a misunderstanding, an altercation, or whatever, I am not going to be that fearful for my life because he's got society that's going to judge him. He's going to be subject to the rules and the court system and the regulations of the land. But if I get into an altercation with the police officer, I'm scared for my life because I know as long as he decides that I'm worth the filling out the paperwork and worth the media attention, he can take my life with no consequence. He's not viewing me as a human. I'm not viewing him as a human. So I think that's the crux of the situation right there. And, and I would agree. The problem is the whole, the whole concept of keeping law and order allows the police to have a higher standard of truth than the average, the average person does. Because that's the only way you can have a police system work. Oh, I disagree. Look at, look, at, look at Scotland. Look at other countries, European countries, that don't have their police force armed and the violence that we see. It's doable other ways. Yeah. You're, you're comparing two different, completely different cultures. I mean, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, what's going to work in one country might not work here. So, I mean, I would say in our system, to I don't want to say you have to be fearful, but to an extent you do have to be fearful of the police. You, and, I sh- and I use that in a healthy fear. There needs to be a healthy fear because without that healthy fear, you really don't have anything controlling anything in society. I now, disagree. I don't agree with that. There's basically only two ways you can control a society in the first place. 
one is on a moral high ground. So and what that means is you the the um, culture and the people have decided to collectively that here is a set of morals we will all adhere to and we will police ourselves and we will not do bad things. I don't think that's society we're in. I think we're in the fearful society. And the only thing that keeps anybody anymore from doing anything wrong is the fear of consequence, in my personal opinion, because I don't feel like anybody has any ethics or morals anymore. Well, I agree about the consequences part. That's what the court system is for. So the police's duty is to make sure that a suspect reaches the point of accountability in front of a judge and or jury. It's not to execute justice in the moment. There's cameras everywhere. There's investigators on payroll. You don't have to solve and subdue every individual on the street in the encounter. You can follow that person. You can put out a warrant. You can get them, a subpoena them to court. That's what the justice system is for. So the, the fear of consequences has nothing to do with the ability of the badge to subdue the individual on the street, is my opinion. I will agree with that statement. Yeah, I, and I, I 100% agree with that statement. The job of the cop is not to carry out the justice. I 100% agree with that. But um, they don't understand that. They don't, they don't act as if they understand that at all. And that, and that may be an area we need to change. That may be. So um, now, as an outside uh, perspective, because I'm not a cop, I have a lot of cop buddies, um, but you also have a – I mean, here's, here's, your, here's your reality. Um, you're going to have more police in areas that are higher crime areas. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, provided there's a budget for it, yes, because I would assume that the places that need the more education attention would have more schools, but you don't see that. So logically, I understand you, but the resources are not always allocated fairly. That's and that's and that's very true. So you have a tough you have a tough balance here because you have the people that be are, that are being shot. First of all, these the, the police officer has police officer has a split second decision to make a determination on whether has to he has to use deadly force or not. First of all, uh, there's nothing out there beyond there is no protocol, no legislation that can help with that split second decision. It's just not possible. There's no way for any training to tell you whether your life is in danger in that moment or not. There are statistical, you can say certain scenarios, but there's no way to really know if your life is in, in true danger. Because there can be a guy out there waving a gun, but you know that there's actually not really any danger. Because there might just be, it just might be a crazy person that's doing something and you're just like, I know that person. It's just we can talk him down. Theoretically, a person waving a gun is the first one should be shot, by opinion. But I'm giving specific scenarios. And then you got a guy on the ground that has a gun in his pocket that is a lot more dangerous in a split second than that guy that's actually waving the gun around. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense, but you're just assuming that their only choices are use deadly force or not use deadly force. This whole issue of de-escalation in regards to training and protocol is not the right question to be asking in my opinion, because the bi the bias is clear. They've done studies that show when they go through training in the video simulators and they see a brown suspect, they're more likely to shoot. They're more likely to shoot quicker. They're more likely to shoot to kill. When the suspect is white, they're more likely to wait and assess the threat and quote unquote de-escalate. So these biases that are internal can't be trained and they can't be legislated, like you said. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't actually, I don't disagree with that at all. Are you still there, Doug? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. I thought you lost you again. I actually agree with that 100%. Um, because the reality is, you know, cultural, um, there's a difference in cultures and people are scared of different cultures. That's just the world we live in. So, you know, I had I had a conversation and I'm, I had a conversation with somebody and this is just me being real and I, because I wanted to investigate this on a, on a, uh, our real life had a girl I asked this question to I had a girl I, I put her in a I, I put her in a scenario and I said I said let's say your car broke down in the middle of LA and you have first off there's a group of three white guys walking towards you versus a group of three black men walking towards you and I said well, are you more frightened and she said, I'm not going to lie. She said, the black one. I said, why? And she's like, I don't know. 
She's like, I don't know why that is. But she's like, the reality is it's true. So I don't disagree with your statement at all. And I, I, I believe that it actually is true that certain cultures are more scared of other cultures and races are scared of other races. The issue with that is we're going back to the same thing is I don't see a solution to fixing that because we naturally as humans migrate to what we're like and we're scared of what we're not. And we love to call this American melting pot thing. We love this great American experiment, but personally I feel it's all crashing to the ground. I think it's the end. I'm actually doing a segment on the great American uh, uh, experiment, whether it's over. So keep, uh, keep that in mind. We got that coming up. But I think at the point where that experiment is starting to break down a little bit. And because we just realized that these cultures, between different people and different cultures, they just don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So with that in mind, like, how do you fix that? If we people don't agree on the ideals, the cores of what being an American or whatever used to be, if we don't agree on this stuff anymore, how the heck do we plan on fixing it? Well, I'm going to give you two historical solutions that the police have tried one that one that worked and one that um the jury's still out so do you remember the north hollywood bank robbery where the suspects had paramilitary gear they had high-powered rifles you know vest piercing bullets do you remember that after after that happened that was essentially a loss for the police department. They lost the encounter, and that's unacceptable in their opinion. So they upped their firepower for good, not just for bank robberies. Every every uh, officer or every department now has higher-powered ammunition and firepower because of that incident. So that's solution number one. Number two is the high-speed chases. High-speed chases still, when they're on all the news channels cut to it. It's great entertainment. And the policy used to be you pursue, pursue, pursue until the custody um, suspect is in custody. They have since changed that rule because too many civilians were getting injured and killed in the traffic, um, in the course of a traffic pursuit. Now, if the suspect is a- above 110 miles an hour, the police are allowed to use their discretion and pull back because, like I said before, you've got helicopters, you've got investigators, you've got other means of pursuing this individual other than brute force in the moment. You see where I'm going with this? So if you let the officers use their discretion and say, you know what, if a criminal outsmarts you in the moment, we'll get him back. If a criminal, you think they're going to overpower you in the moment, we'll get him in a few hours. You don't have to win every encounter as if you're a linebacker. That's the solution. Give them discretion. Yeah, you know what, I don't have an issue with that. I, I really don't have an issue with that. You know, I, I do have an issue with that when it puts a lot of people's lives in danger. It's that discretion thing in the first place. But I, I don't really have an issue with, like, if you didn't get the criminal right now to hold off for a couple hours and not just start shooting. I actually don't have an issue with that. And I don't think that's a bad solution to start out. Do you think it'll act, Do you think that going down that route and changing it to that would have any impact on the amount of crime, though? Because if people know they're not going to... Well, again, it's you got to ask the right question. We're not we're not going to affect the amount of crime with a police policy, because the needs of the criminals are not going to change. Those are systemic problems that we have to fix other ways. But will we have less suspects being murdered trying to be captured? Absolutely. And the thing you brought up about the threats: if a large group of people are in danger, say like you know a bomb threat or, you know, assault rifles or whatever the case may be, in my opinion, the discretion is you take him out any means necessary. But if you've got a single man who's maybe selling illegal items by himself in a parking garage or whatever the case may be, that's a victimless crime and can be resolved any number of ways, obviously without force and at a later date. So, like I said, the discretion... No, I agree 100%. I was just messing around and saying, but come on, man, selling CDs, that's pretty criminal in 2016. Well, you got to hear the music first. No, but I actually agree with you 100%. Like, I don't have any issue with that. I don't have any issue reevaluating because, you know, they're talking about trying to demilitarize, demilitarize police a little bit, which is really, it's one of those weird things that 
it sounds great in um, it sounds great in theory. I'm a little concerned about how it would play out in real life because I look at the I'm looking at the world right now and I'm looking at the United States and I let me back up for a second. I, I posted like something. I did post one thing, um, of course, in my sarcastic humor. Um, do you didn't by any chance read what I wrote about this whole situation? Did you? Uh, you know, I think I sc- I scrolled past it, but I don't remember what it was. Basically, I said the solution is we should just have black cops na- monitoring black neighborhoods, white cops monitoring white neighborhoods. I did see that. Asian and and it, it was supposed to be a joke because what I'm talking about is segregation. Right. It's, it's a total joke, obviously. <laughs> like so my the whole. There's not really a solution in here. That's what I was basically saying. And then somebody's like, oh my gosh, love needs to be an answer. And I'm like, no, not really. I was like, having a cute word like love, we live in a society where, you know, we, we don't have, we, we don't have a unified country. We, we just don't. We're, this, 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 you can't look at our country now and have, you don't have the same pro-America stance, we're all Americans that we did back in the 80s, when we were fighting off other countries and everything like that. We've comfortable now, we've now decided that we're going to take the war against our own people. So I have this vastly divided country on this scenario where I went through my feet and all I said was like you either you either, you either love cops and don't have any problem with police brutality, or you hate cops or you're a racist. Like there's like no middle ground. Totally. I was like... I was like, no, I was like, I can be pro-cop and still have an issue with police brutality. I was like, there's no reason out there that I cannot have that. I was like, if, if, if we see a video, because murder across the board is murder. I don't care who's doing it. And there is a big difference. We define, that's why we don't use the term, use the term murder, because there's a big difference from killing somebody and murdering someone. And even our judicial system said, if you break into my home, I have the right to shoot you. I killed you, but I didn't murder you. The one that brought that amongst yourself. What if it's a no-knock warrant? What if it's a no-knock warrant from a plainclothes police officer? That's a different story. That's very different. Why? And that's why I... What's that? Why? Why is it different when a cop does it? I'm saying, you said if someone breaks into your house, that's killing, that's not murder. But what if the person breaking into your house is a police officer wearing regular clothes? Oh, I, I would still consider it. I, I personally would still consider it. I don't give a crap if you broke into my house. I don't care who you are. And I wasn't expecting it. I'm in the right. I agree. That's how I'm going to look. That's how I feel. I'm going to look at it. Because first of all, I mean, if you break into my home against without a warrant or anything like that, you're breaking the law. In which case, I, you don't have anything to stand by in my opinion. I don't care if you're a cop or whatever. Don't come into somebody's home proper authorization. That's, that's, that's a for sure way to get your ass killed. So, I agree. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't back the cop on that scenario in the slightest. But you know, the with what that with with what that went down, um, it's really sad. But unfortunately, all I saw was people wanting to, which is normal. I mean, I, I'm not surprised by it anymore. You know, we just we just ran with it, and we're just going to make this whole thing politic as politically crazy as we possibly can. That's what we've decided to do. We. We've decided that we're no longer going to um, try to be on the same team and try to figure these things out as Americans. We've decided that we're done with that theory. I think we're over that that American experience, and I think it's now just whose side is going to win. And unfortunately, I'm now looking at. Are you still there, there, Doug? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. So I was listening to uh, so I was listening to some radio this morning. I went, you know, I, I took myself out to a nice little breakfast this morning. It was, it was delicious. I went to Eggs and Things. You remember Eggs and Things, Doug? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. I had myself, and I listened to a little uh, a little commentator action about the whole thing while I was uh, mentally preparing to talk to you. And the, it was a conservative host, and way 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 conservative for like way conservative but um i listened to a couple sides of it i wanted to kind of get a couple different feel for how people reacted to this so of course i of course chose an extremely conservative one at that too 
Um, I listened to two sides actually, but the one thing that stuck out in my mind from that, beyond the battling between Barack Obama this happened versus Donald Trump made it this happen, which by the way, those both things are ridiculous in my opinion. To say either of those are causing this is ridiculous in my opinion. Totally. But he he said one thing he said that stuck in my head is that we are no longer Americans, we are now enemies. That was the and he specifically called out people, um, he called out congressmen, and he said, You are now my enemy. You are no longer an American I have a different opinion with. You are now my enemy. And I knew that's been coming for a long time. I just thought it was longer. I thought it was going to be a lot later in my future. I knew that was coming. But now I'm actually starting to hear these words being used. And that's the most frightening part about my opinion, that we now have, we now long, we no longer look at each other as just fellow Americans with different political opinions. We're actually looking at each other as enemies right now. And this is my biggest concern when trying to figure this out because to to come out with compromise, you guys have to find middle ground. But the problem is enemies don't find middle ground. You know what I'm saying? You, it's very difficult to compromise and find middle ground with people, with a person that you can consider your enemy. So this is why I am such a, you can call it pessimist, you can call it realist, but I'm not feeling like we're going to get anything good coming out of this whole scenario that's actually going to fix anything. What's your thoughts? My thought is this. Enemies become friends over a common enemy. So the last time that the nation was truly bonded together and feeling like Americans and feeling patriotic was after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And it's been unraveling slowly ever since. So as long as we have another large-scale attack that we can rally around, we'll be fine. And it's coming. Oh, man. Okay, everybody. I don't know if you just heard that, but Doug is now a conspiracy theorist. 100%. (laughs) I'm just joking. The sad part is, it's not even really a conspiracy theorist. It's just the dang truth, unfortunately. You're right on. That's that's what we do. We run around when we have another enemy. It's amazing. And you're 100% accurate. Our country was so divided prior to 2011. I mean, 2001 after the terrorist attack. And all of a sudden, everybody was throwing up American flags all the time. That's right. Because we now had another comment. And I don't like to be a conspiracy theorist. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked because we know it works. So the, it wouldn't be shocked if within the next couple of months we had a big terrorist attack or anything. Would the it? problem is you have to raise the ante. You know? It's got to be something major to where people are truly shocked and horrified and you know we get we get numb to these levels of violence as they escalate you know the school shootings the bombings the the nightclub shooting it's it's going to have to be you know an amusement park or, or or children or something really heinous and gruesome to to really grab people beyond the conspiracy theorists to where they're to where they're truly disgusted together you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, I 100% agree. Because, look, the, the Orlando shooting was catastrophic. But I, I hate to say it, we've already moved past it. Oh, yeah. We really have. We've done something new. We, we thought it was terrible for a week. But we're, sadly to say, already over it. It's because it wasn't a church. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, gosh, that's just disgusting to say, but we didn't really affect us that much. It, I mean, and, and I'll be the first to admit it, like, it's, I didn't have, because I don't have a personal connection to that shoot. You know what I'm saying? I can be as empathetic as I can, but to me, to get people truly, like, invested, there's got to be some real connections. Unfortunately for me, that one didn't have as much of a connection as like the 9-11 bombs. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm going to draw an unfortunate comparison here. Um, the, the police shootings happen to all races. They happen more to black people. And obviously it becomes a racial issue. The Orlando shooting, there was the, the sexuality implications that these were, you know, these were different people. So... Look at look at the reaction of the people on your Facebook timeline. Did those people have a connection 
to the LBGT community? If so, it hit them harder. You know what I mean? This one, that would, I think it would have been a totally different thing. I think I do, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody. I think it would have been totally different if they weren't gay. I think it would have made a way bigger impact. And that's, that sounds terrible to say, but because of the reality is, because so many people look at the gay lifestyle as still something that they don't like approve of, a lot of them were like, oh, this is terrible, but it's not that terrible. And it's, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible to say, right? But that's really what's happening out there. And I, I, I mean, as terrible as that's to say, I think it would have been a bigger, I think it would have been a more unifying thing if it was uh, just a regular nightclub out of LA or something. Is that just horrible it, to say, Doug? It's... It's an unfortunate reality, and I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious on the part of the average person, but I'm looking back now at it and kind of deconstructing it in my mind now. I hadn't really thought of it till you said it, but it, it feels obvious. It feels like if this group of people were more mainstream or more the ideal American hero, let's spin it to the other polar opposite, it would have been still the number one headline to this day. Um, but because it was a Muslim and undesirable, taking out a group of other people that were not the mainstream, they, they sort of cancel each other out on the, on the social justice stage, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's terrible. And, yeah, I mean, but that's that's how that's how humans work. We they, we work off reaction and emotion, and everybody has the beliefs that they're they dug into. So you can't force people to be empathetic. You can't force people to get on the same page. So this is this is and this is has the whole thing to do with my entire um, thought process that we're basically screwed because you know I'm like I'm total like the uh, sky is falling type person, right? Then. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, I got, I did crack that joke about, you know, segregation being the answer, but obviously it was just a joke, people. Relax. I think my thing was a joke. It was supposed to be ridiculous. That was the whole point of that. But, you know, I had some people say, like, they were just like, how can you be so insensitive during this time? And I was like, and I took back that, and you know, you know, what's, when somebody attacks me like that, what's my first instinct to do that? What's, what's my first instinct? Uh, either attack them back or crack a joke or neutralize their statement? 100%. This time I said, I'm going to take a step back, and I took a step back. And then I posted, you know what? Generally, and this is what I even wrote, I was like, generally this is where I would make a sarcastic joke or something like that. But the reality is, I guess I just don't understand it the same way people do. Because I don't understand what anybody is shocked about. I've known this, this was coming. I've seen all the signs that this was coming. You can't divide a country in half and then not create civil war. I was like, there's no way to not do that. That's that's that was the way you had civil war in this country in the first place. The, being an American is it doesn't mean anything. It's a cute slogan. You can totally have two different Americas that are enemies. Why can't you? And that's what I'm seeing right now. So I said, I was like, look. I, I might be insensitive, but I guess I just don't look at it the same way, you guys, because I already knew this was coming. Like, none of this is a shock to me. Like, all I know is it's going to get continuously worse and worse and worse, and that might be a... this in me. But I was actually expecting the, the, the police confrontation with, like, BLM, I was actually expecting last year. It was going to go down last year. So I was actually a little late in my prediction, because I expected something like this to happen, like, about a year ago, which is super weird. So that might be insensitive, and they're like, you need to be more solo, you need to be more nice about the people and everything like that. And I was like, I get it, and I, I understand being sympathetic, and I understand like that this is a hard scenario, but I guess I'm a little uh, jaded because I already knew this was coming. I already knew this whole thing was going to come. So does that make me a terrible person? No, I, I, think, I think realist is probably the closest word to describe your position. Um, as, as everything progresses... As the population gets bigger, spins out of control, pollution, global warming, all these issues that people worry about sustainability of our planet, the, the one thing that you can look to for sure is that the, the 1%, the almighty powerful elite of this world, do not care about the well-being of everyone else. So our lives do not matter. 
<laughs> to the people that can take them out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Are you familiar yeah, with the Georgia Guidestones? Does that mean anything to you? Never heard of it? But I mean, the Georgia Guidestones, oh, I wish I knew all my facts, but basically, you know, the the New World Order, the idea that, you know, big change is, is coming. And, yeah, so the, these people that commission, it's basically like the American Stonehenge is how they envisioned it. But one of one of the lines on there, it's like it's like ten, you know, visions for a a, a world global community and a better future. I'm probably butchering this, but one of them is to have a world population of 500,000. That's half a million people. And the only way for that to happen is an extinction-level event, a cataclysm, a nuclear winter, whereas the wealthiest people are in their underground bunkers, safe, safely tucked away, while everyone else is fighting for their lives and being extinguished. And that's coming. I don't know if yeah, we're going to start it or if they're going to start it, but it's coming. There was a movie about that. What movie was that about? Um, Samuel L. Jackson was in it. It came out a couple of years ago. That's what the movie was about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, the Kingsman. Yes, The Kingsman. That's what the movie was about. That exact that exact concept. Yep. And as, and I mean, as, as much as we like, like to joke about it and just say it's all unrealistic, I mean, the reality is, like, there's no way... There's no way that this can continue the way it's going and not have an epic ending. Yeah. Like, we are just, we're setting ourselves up for the most epic ending possible. Better ending story than Steven Spielberg will come up with. <laughs> I mean, we got more firepower than Michael Bay in any of his movie budgets, man. So, he even he doesn't have access to nuclear power and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but I mean, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm also a realist. And, you know, to not think, like, some people are willing to sacrifice a ton of other people for their longevity is is you're you're being in denial if you don't think people would be willing to do that and even the people that i would say just us being humans even the people i believe i agree with politically wise i still would almost expect them to throw me under that bus in that scenario yep i really would i don't because when you come to life and death scenarios and it's really hitting you in your face you do what's right for you self-preservation preservation that's what that's what human life's all about man but I mean I, that's the problem is like how do you change somebody's mentality for them to care about another person before they care about themselves first how do you do that how do you how do you convince somebody like Doug you got you got a wife and kid if you were in a scenario where you could save me or your son, I would a hundred times out of a hundred bet on you saving your son. And I would agree with that, even though I'm the one dying. Because I would expect you to take care of your first and your your uh, your family and your yourself before you would expect I would expect you to take care of me. Right. That's not even to say that a bad guy or anything like that. I just expect you to do that on a human nature instinct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah, and I mean, I would take a kid over me too. He's way cuter than I. <laughs> now, this is assuming that people are going to take care of this kid and and bring them up to existence. Because if you've got an infant versus a a productive member of society, then you've got a different argument. Yeah, but still, I mean, I, I you can make all the arguments you want. You put down in a you put down a split second decision about which one you're going to save. I expect you to save your son. I 100 percent expect you to save your son. Sure. And 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 the funny thing is, if I could go back and then, let's say I did die and you did kill me, thanks a lot, Doug. <laughs> so let's say you did. Let's say you did kill me, and for some reason you could talk to me afterwards. I'd be like, dude, you made the right decision. It's like you did exactly what you're supposed to do. I was like, I'm not going to get mad at you for choosing somebody, choosing your own family over somebody else, because I actually would not expect anything less from anybody, even myself. Because you, you can have strong relationships with, you can have strong relationships with friends, you can have all that stuff, but you're not going to have the same relationship with a friend that you do with your child. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's, it's a level of 
intimacy and everything that you'll never be able to get with a person that's not related to your own blood. That's true. And so that's and that's the reality. And so until we can figure out this issue about how people will choose other people over their own self preservation, this is this is like where every gets super convoluted because we don't expect them to I don't expect them to choose other people over themselves. But if, keeping that in mind, then we have to negotiate common ground. But how can we find common ground when we're enemies? So I guess we need to blow something up, Doug. Is that what you're telling me? Something needs to blow up. That, that's the only way that I see this situation resolving itself other than a civil war type conflict. Damn it, dude. You know what's funny is I thought I was the one with the pessimist argument here. You know, you got the most epic argument here. And I can't even disagree with it. Like, it's, you're, you're, you're saying, man, this, this, it's going to take something just crazy terrible to fix the situation. And unfortunately, I don't have a defense for that because I don't have a better answer. And that's just, that actually makes me feel a little sad. Yeah, I mean, it, ma- it makes me sick that, that I have a young child that I brought into the world at this particular time that he's not going to, you know, like leisure is going to be the last thing on his mind when he comes of age, depending on how this thing plays out. He could be fighting for his life, fighting for resources, fighting for so you know, just basic human rights. So I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. It's really crappy. No, and and, and for some reason I, I don't understand why. I don't understand why a lot of people think that the way that they were raised is how life's gonna just keep going. But we know that's not true. We know history over and over, and every single society falls apart. A revolution war ensues, then some sort of power takes over and kind of destabilizes. He grows into a beast basic society and then falls apart again. So we, I don't know why we feel we're exempt from that because nothing has changed in humanity other than science, but now we have this scientific ability to do way more damage than we did before. But in the time of humans, as humans, I don't think it's evolving. I think it's actually devolving. And now I know that's going to be, people are going to be like, no, that's completely untrue. We're learning more and more. Yeah, I think we're getting more scientifically smart. I, I believe that's true. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But I don't think we're getting any more philosophically sound in how we with each people on a one-on-one basis. Right. I don't think that at all. Right. I think we're deep. Because, you know, first of all, you're talking about it, how do you handle, like, sitting down with somebody and then working out differences we, we've decided now in the United States that we don't do that anymore. We go straight to the law court and we start suing people. So we don't handle anything, even in small amounts, between one another, like talking things out anymore. We've decided that we're not going to deal with that anymore. We decided that there is no middle ground anymore, that like it's, it's me versus you, my side versus your side. And we, we love to use this terms like coexisting and compromise, but I don't see anybody out there actually doing it. I don't see anybody actually using that tactic at all. I think everybody has been hijacked by the far extremes of each side of whatever ideology they lie on. And we've just decided, like, it's got to be all my way or it's got to be all your way. But there's nothing in between those two areas. And right now we're talking about two completely different philosophies. Two completely different philosophies. We're not talking about philosophies like from the 1960s. You know, when you had, because, uh, you, you, you know, we've always had this two-party system and everything. We've always had the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, whether you think that's a good idea or not, whatever. But, you know, back in the 60s and 70s and even up to the 80s, we were all Americans with different ideals. You know, I could have easily been back in the, if, if you if you time warped me back to the 1970s like, right now, I probably would have, would have been a JFK Democrat. Yeah. Probably where I would have been. Interesting. You know? Yeah, I probably would have been because I agreed with almost everything that man stood for. He was, he believed in strong military action. He was a captain in the Navy. He was a Catholic. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but he had strong moral grounding. He believed in taking care of his own Americans. He believed in keeping the, like businesses here in the U.S. He believed in, he believed in scientific like data. He believed in, he, he was an all around great guy, in my opinion. I would agree with that. But I couldn't get myself, um, but I can I couldn't vote for anybody on his party in today's world. I don't agree with anybody anymore. So and unfortunately, that defaults me into a party that I'm not really too excited about. In the first place. You know what I'm saying? 
but by default, because we're not in the same place where we used to be, we're, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s, you know, people would jump back and forth between Democrat and Republican parties all the time. Right. We don't have, we don't have that. Well, I think the, the party system is, it, um, it reinforces the idea that we're enemies. You know what I mean? It's, it's the whole gang mentality. And I think it's the illusion of choice. That's what it's turned into. And they've used the two-party system to forward and further the same agenda. So it doesn't matter, you know, which side of the aisle you're on. It's just the bickering and the, and the stagnation of nothing getting done. That's kind of what we've built. You know what I mean? It's, it's not about ideals anymore. It's just about agendas. And that's the reality we're dealing with. Okay, I got. I want to move on a little bit because we've been on this topic for a little while. Yeah, I got to wrap up. I got. I got to wrap uh, up actually. What's that? I said I got to leave. Actually, I got to go. Now? Can't give me like ten minutes. Uh, I'll do ten minutes. All right, we got to knock out ten minutes real quick on a very important topic. We got to talk about BLM real quick. About ten minutes tops. About what? Black Lives Matters in this whole situation. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. This is a major part. Now, the, the Black Matters Lives Matter movement, um, and uh, see, because Doug, just in case nobody, and sorry, I don't care if I offend you, Doug, Doug is a black man. He is an African-American male, Dale. Doug, right? You can say that. We can say that. That's not racist, right? Yeah, m- most, of, most of my life, that's what I've been uh, considered. Okay, so, give a crap. Someone's black, whatever. You're Hispanic, <laughs> I'm freaking half Puerto Rican, I'm a mutt, give a crap. <laughs> so, obviously, you and I, by nature, by human nature, are going to have differences in opinion on specific topics simply because I cannot relate in the same way you do. That's just, I think we can agree on it, correct? Okay. What I'm saying is, I can be as empathetic as I want, and I can listen as close as I want, but I'm never going to truly understand how you feel about this whole scenario. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yeah, see, and and, and I can can admit that. and the reason why I, I, I found it important to talk and bring it up that's the fact that you're African-American because you're going to have perspective on this whole thing that I'm going to have simply because I don't fall into the Black Lives Matter movement. That's all the only reason I wanted to bring that up in the first place. So this right now what we're seeing is this has been shaped up into two things. An assault on black men um, by police and the people that are currently standing up to that is the Black Lives Matters movement. Uh, First of all, I want to get your quick, quick opinion on Black Lives Matters from where you stand, so people that can know where we're going to go with this. Okay, well, every every movement has its its leaders, um, its aggressors, its supporters. There's the whole spectrum of people within the movement. So to pinpoint, you know, one truth about the movement is difficult to do, but I feel like it was born out of awareness. And out of necessity of the moment, okay? So once people on a large scale become aware of this disproportionate violence on a certain group of people, it only makes sense that a protest would be born out of it. And in this case, it was the Black Lives Matter spinning from the Mike Brown uh, killing by the police. So I think, I think that three words is not enough to to make a stance as far as you understand where I'm coming from. That's not enough. So I think that it helps to look at the Black Lives Matter movement with uh, some words before the Black Lives Matter kind of implicit. And I'm taking this from a a letter that I read from a, a a law school teacher. And it was something to the effect of because there is currently a systematic... Um, assault on black lives by the police institution it is important that we all remember dot 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 that black lives matter does that make sense yeah and at the heart of it like i I get it like i I can't feel it the same way as you can because i don't i i can't say i've ever this is me speaking from my white privilege from my half white side and there's a reality. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and say like there's no privileges or anything like that. I've, I've been pretty clear about that in the past. I don't personally feel any. I'm not going to. I've never had a scenario 
where I have felt threatened being pulled over by a cop. I'll be here. I'll be real. Every time I've been pulled over by a cop, I knew why I got pulled over. Like I'm not. It's a. Do you know why? I'm like, no, officer. What did I? Come on. I knew exactly what I did. I had every reason to be justified to be pulled over. You specifically told me in the past that you sometimes don't know if that's true for you. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I can and I can't see and I think this is a problem with the conservative movement right now is there is no basis out there at all to tell me that your feeling is incorrect. I don't have anything out there that can tell me that what you experienced when you got pulled over was not because of what you want to say systematic racism. If you believe that is why, truly, if you truly believe that's why, then it's a it's a justified thought, my opinion. Then there's a serious problem. And I don't actually, I don't, I don't sit back and say that it's not true. Like I'm the first one to admit that you know what the white culture has a problem with different ethnicities in a lot of cases and how they handle stuff. And the reason why is that a lot of it stems out of fear. Being coming from different, from different, comes from different cultures. That people have different set of rules. They have different things that scare them. I mean, the reality is, you know, you send a little preppy white kid from like Westlake and you put him down in South Central LA, he's going to be really scared. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not. It's not. As, that's a reality we work with because people are always like that now. And there's definitely a spotlight shine on it, and it, 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 and it becomes a bigger problem when the majority of your majority of your country is white. I've never once sat back and said this didn't exist. My whole thought has been always like, okay, how are we going to truly fix it? So the question is, now with Black Lives Matter has come out, they're doing their big protests and everything like that. At the heart of it, I don't have a problem with what they're trying to do. Um, I don't, I'm not one of those people. I, I'm not one of those dare. I'm like, no, all lives matter. I was like, I was like, I'm not one of those people. I actually say no lives matter. That's my, that's my thing, Doug. Like, none of our lives matter. Is that too pessimistic? That's more accurate than the other two, probably. Yeah. So I, I, I don't say. So I, I don't get up in that in, in that argument about who's who. That everybody. Yes. Cool. That's cute. All lives matter. Yeah, I get that. That's cute. Black lives matter. Yes, it's cool. It's, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. The question is, do you think? Right, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm listening. So, from your point of view, the way that Black Lives Matters has uh, has decided to go about all this, do you think they are on the right path? Do you think something needs to be changed? What is your overall feeling how they are taking on the scenario? Well, I think that in order for a system to, or for a situation to come to a middle middle ground, a homeostasis, it's going to swing in either extreme first. So if, if the police are killing an inordinate amount of black people on one end, and then on the other end, you have the Black Lives Matter protests um, protesting violently and out of control. Well, at some point, it's going to level off, and then you're going to have a reasonable stance on both sides. So that's that's my opinion. It's going to swing out of control, and then it's going to come back to balance. Yeah, you you're on the you're on the you're on the same you're on the same page as I am. Every action will, it will give a big an equal or bigger reaction. Right. That's. The- that's science, and that's why that's why I was actually I'm not shocked by anything Black Lives Matters is doing. Now, if you want to say whether it's politically right, blah blah blah, you can get into that whole debate. But none of this is shocking. I was like, because I can't say. I mean, I can. I can pick a stance on what side if they're right or wrong. But one thing I will not say is I don't. I 100% believe that they believe that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And so if you 100% believe you're doing the right thing, you're going to 100% do what it takes to get that changed if you truly believe what you think is correct. That's right. So, yeah, so, I mean, from that standpoint, um, I, I, I'm i not shocked. Like, people are so up in arms. Like, you, you're getting the extreme of both on this one, you know, between getting the black lives or putting them on, like, a king-like pedestal right now. Those, there's nothing in between those things right now. Do you get the same feeling? I, I do. I do. And like, here's something that sticks out in my mind from a post that I saw on Facebook. Somebody posted simply, I stand with the police. Okay? Now, without a qualifying statement, 
to me, what I felt was, I don't care how many black people get killed. I don't care why they get killed. I stand with the police. That's the, the between the lines that I took from it. Okay. But when somebody says, I've got family members that are police officers, uh, every interaction I've had with police officers has been pleasant. I know they're trying to do their job. So for that reason, I'm on the side of the law enforcement if, if I have to pick a side. That part is, is reasonable because you can hear the logic and how they got there. But when people just have a picket sign that has three letter three words, one, Black Lives Matter, two, with the police, you're not going to be understood. You're not going to be heard if you don't qualify yourself. Yeah, 100%. You know, that, that's, that's why I said you're only, you, you can't, in this world, we can't be both. I don't know when that occurrence happened. I don't know when it, I don't know when the transition said, I can't. Yes, you do. Pro, pro cops. What's that? I said, yes, you do. You know when it happened. When did it happen? The, the way that the internet and the social media has evolved to where people can give their opinion anonymously or without immediate consequence. Either is dangerous. When you use your free speech with all this insulation, the, the ramifications are different. You're not, able, you're not able to have that balance, that empathy, that reaction of, of you know what I mean? You're not feeling that pain of your words. That's part about being the, the generation where you can just be the, you can just cowardly sit behind your computer, throw stones, and no one have to worry about any consequences of your actions. That's, you're 100% correct. Jeez uh, oh, Louise, man, this, this is a depressing show, Doug. <laughs> like, I didn't say anything, I didn't say anything really funny this time. This was kind of just like, but it's a heavy topic. It was necessary. It was necessary. I guess I gotta be serious every once in a while. Um, I think anything else you want to touch on? I think we're pretty much burned through. I mean, we did a good time. No, that was awesome. We'll we'll do we'll do it again next week. I just I hope that people hear this and they hear a side that they didn't agree with and they heard it in its entirety. They they didn't just scroll past. They didn't just say you're ignorant. They listened to it and they heard another perspective. That's all I that's all I want. And that's, and that's what we're here to try to do. Hey, Doug, uh, where can everybody find you? I've got com. That's kind of the hub for my uh, my podcast. I've also got a YouTube channel, Morgan Freelance, with a, with a zero. And uh, Twitter, Morgan Freelance. You can find me there. Okay, so, yeah, so if you guys got any questions for him, um, you can ask him on any of those networks. Maybe talk about what, uh, you know, another topic we'd like to talk about in the future. And uh, once again, this is Nathan Martell. Um, you can find me on my website, uh, NathanMartellisStupid.com. You can find me on Twitter, hashtag NathanMartellisStupid, if you want to ask me any questions, or if you just want to tell me how stupid I am, I appreciate those as well. Doug, I recently got some really, I got some pretty awesome, epic, uh, like, hate tweets. I'd love to show them to you. Oh, I'm excited to see them. That means you're loved if you're yeah. hated. Yeah, oh, man, they're so much fun. Um, all right, you got anything else? Are we good for the day? That's it. Peace, love, and happiness. Later's. Talk is cheap, motherfucker!